Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 275. I read something some years ago and, and that is uh, love what you do and do what you love. And this is as simple as it is. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Award-winning author and designer Dwight Knowlton has done it again. His book, The Greatest Race, is now available. The Greatest Race is the story of Sir Sterling Moss's epic and record-crushing win of the 1955 Mille Miglia in the Mercedes-Benz 300 SLR. In collaboration with Sir Sterling Moss himself, Dwight has created a wonderful children's book from this epic race as a follow-up to his best-selling book, The Little Red Racing Car. I have my own copy of The Greatest Race, and I can tell you, this kid's impressed. Like his previous book, this one is printed in the USA. Check out Dwight's Carpe Viem brand, where you can find both of his books, shirts, and more that embrace his seize-the-road philosophy. Enjoy Carpe Viem at carpegear.com, and be sure to sign up for his newsletter while you're at his website. That's carpegear.com, C-A-R-P-E gear.com. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I am revved up and so excited today to introduce a very special guest, Marcus Haub. Marcus, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? Hello, yes, I'm ready to race. All right, great to have you here. Marcus Haub is an artist who was born in Germany and studied transportation design at the University of Applied Arts in Vorsheim. He moved to Spain to work for Volkswagen and Renault, in their design studios, and in parallel, he developed as an artist, a painter, and a photographer. Now living in Spain and Germany, he works as a designer and painter and shows his work in exhibitions and art fairs in Spain, France, Holland, Ireland, England, and New York. He's been published in many magazines, and his work has been displayed in many prestigious museums. So Marcus, I've told our listeners just a little bit about you. Would you take a moment and share some more about your career and your passion for automobiles. Yeah, I was always uh, kind of, when I was a little boy, I was crazy for cars somehow. And uh, since very early, I I knew exactly what I want to do later in my life. I wanted to, to draw cars. And then I found out about uh, that there's a profession, it's called uh, car design. And I found out about a school in Germany where to go. So actually, I was super focused on that uh, way. And all my friends in school, they, they they didn't know what to do and what career to take. So they were kind of, uh, well, happy for me that I knew that from a very early point. Yes, and then yes. finally, I got accepted in, in the Pforzheim Design School. And I uh, finished in uh, 97. And I got my first job in Volkswagen in uh, Sitges near Barcelona. And I worked for 10 years as a car designer, basically. Very cool. Well, while you were working as a car designer, my understanding is you also have been very interested in the arts, photography, and especially painting. So did you start painting more and more while you were working at Volkswagen? Um, no, well, I was in having classes, painting classes uh, during my studies, but that was more, I did it because I had to do it and I was more into the car design thing. So I wanted to draw only cars and then I forgot a bit about that. And then 
in 2000, I changed um, my job from Volkswagen to Renault and I moved from south of Barcelona into the center of Barcelona and I had a little room left in my apartment. And so that was kind of the key moment that I felt at work uh, that I, I needed to do something out of uh, the car thing and at home I had some space to do it and that came all together and I started uh, developing my own technique based on photography but mixing it uh, digitally and printing out things, making collages on, on canvas. So I just did that uh, for my own in, in, in my little room there in my flat. And then I, I started doing little exhibitions, inviting friends and having parties and that was basically an excuse to, to join my friends together and I saw that somehow that worked and I got motivated to do more and more but it was a hobby during many years uh, in parallel to my job. Well there's a very big similarity to a fellow automotive designer Cesar Pieri. He works for Jaguar but he did the same thing. He loved uh, what he was doing in, in the automotive design but he started painting and as our guest who listened yesterday learned, and you and I talked about in our pre-show check, he started painting on the hoods of cars. So you two have some things in common here. You needed a creative outlet, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Actually, I know many, many colleagues and friends, they, they do things on the side, uh, but sometimes you don't hear much about it or they don't tell much about it or they don't go public with it. And I actually never was afraid of going into public with what I do. And, and the, uh, the positive reactions I got motivated me to, to go on. Well, I think it's fantastic. And, and your style and the way that you create your art is so intriguing to me. This combination of graphics, photography, painting, uh, it has a very realistic but painterly feel to it. Uh, it's just absolutely fantastic. And we'll talk more about that as we move along. But as we continue on your journey I always like to start by asking my guests for a success quote. It's a great way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars Yeah. So, Marcus, take the wheel. <laughs> I, I thought about that question a long time, and I don't have any big phrase which really I, I could say that is the sentence. But I read something some years ago, and, and that is uh, love what you do and do what you love. And this is as simple as it is, and there's a lot of truth in in it. And I really try to to do that, to, to focus on the things which I really like to do. And then I believe that also something will come out of it and, and it will turn out somehow into something positive or, uh, or successful. And I try to avoid to do the things I don't like. Of course, life is not always a cake, so you have to do things you don't like sometimes. But I really focus on that or try to do more and more of the things I really like to do and, and enjoy what I do. And I feel happy with it and... Uh, the output is also quite quite good. Well, that's a reoccurring theme with many of my guests is that passion for what you love to do. That's what Cars Yeah! is all about. And, and let's talk a little bit more about your passion for cars. Could you share a story with me that instigated your passion for cars? Is there a pivotal moment that you can remember in your life when you really said, you know what, I'm a car guy? I think that came when I was around 14, 15, 16 years of age and my older brother gave me a, a pile of car magazines because at the time there was of course no internet so the only source was magazines and books and, and I was reading them and, and really um, like 
like loving the, the the sports cars articles about Porsche and Ferrari and Lamborghini and and all that. So that was the late eighties, and I remember all the cars which came out at the time, and I had posters in my room. So I think there I really got the virus of of the car thing, and then I was crazy for Ferrari at that time and of course they were not winning any race uh, in the late 80s but i i was the biggest fan on the planet and i was suffering a lot because they were not winning but i think that made me somehow stronger and this this sufferance during all the years it's it's i kind of like to be for a team which is not the the best uh, team so it's it's harder but uh, it's I really lived this this passion for for Ferrari, and then in I remember in '88 um, we were in Austria for holidays, and there was a rainy day, and I asked my parents if we could drive down to Maranello, which was a couple of hours away, and they drove with me to Maranello, and we visited uh, the outside, the gate. There was no museum at the time; there was just the gate and the, the restaurant and a little museum at the time, but very small, only two cars. But still, that was one of the happiest. Uh, days in my life because I was finally there where the cars were produced and where all that that thing happened Um, so that was a great moment and I think this passion I I was having at the time I I still have and I was carrying over all the years and yeah I I think that was the, the moment when I when it all started somehow Sure. Well, I remember the first time I visited the Ferrari factory and walking through those gates and I was fortunate I got to meet with them. I was doing business with the Ferrari at the time and going back and taking a tour. And uh, yeah, it was a magical, magical time. Lunch at the Cavallino. Uh, mm. It was just so special. But it sounds like you like the underdog with your your comments about loving the guy who's trying to make it, trying to get there and Ferrari during those times, all their struggles. What I'd love to do now is take a look at some of the roads you've driven down and crawl under the hood, as I say, and ask you to share a huge challenge or or even a great failure that you faced along the way in your career. But the most important part of this has to do with how did you overcome that particular situation and what did you learn from it? Yeah, I remember a project in in school when we were completely free to do whatever car concept and I I wanted to do a Ferrari at the time because you don't get that chance very often. And uh, I was like working on it and having some ideas and and at every review, my teacher at the time, he was not very happy with what I did, not only with me, also with the other students. He was always pushing us uh, further, which is good in general, but I I felt like he was pushing me too far. So I was kind of scared and confused and I was kind of losing the thing and I, I didn't like that. So I was continuing more what I really felt at the time and the inspiration I, I had I found to do a, a new concept and and a new design and in the end he, he didn't like it at all because he was uh, yeah kind of pissed off because I didn't follow his advice but I had learned from that that I really had to do what I I, I feel and I am responsible in the end for the project and have to to defend it and explain it and not not him and I don't do my projects for my teachers I do it for myself and later they go into my portfolio and I apply for a job so this is what I learned uh, I have to do what I really feel and what I have to do you know I had a another designer on the show here and he made a couple similar comments although a little different one of them was when he was working as an automotive designer one of his 
bosses said, I appreciate the path you're going down, but you have to do what I'm asking you to do. (laughs) And then another boss of his said, surprise me. So two different approaches. And I think with this professor you were dealing with, perhaps he was trying to teach you a little bit of both of those lessons in some respect. I'm not sure. Yeah, I mean, in general, he's he's right. And as a teacher, you should push the students to further if not they got lazy or they always repeat themselves i i understand that but um i i couldn't go further so he should have dealt with that what uh, what as uh, i i was teaching also 10 years in barcelona then later and so i also know the other side and i always try to deal with what the students bring me and then try to make the best out of that and into their possibilities, whatever, if it's low or high, to find the good, to do the best out of that, what you have. And uh, that's why it was very, it was a negative experience. And in the end, I I did it for myself. Later in a job as a car designer, of course, you can't uh, always do what you like in a first uh, stage, maybe, and then you should do it. But later you have to do compromises with engineers, with, with follow advice of your superiors or whatever. That's that's normal. But as a student, uh, you should take really advantage of the liberty and the freedom you have and, and enjoy that and follow yourself and be yourself and uh, also as as a you know, character we were really young at the time so it's all, <laughs> you're not perfect yet and you're growing and you're learning and you uh, i don't know it's an important phase in your life and and later yes, i think yes. you can uh it's kind of a as a like a sponge you are and and out of what you experience then later it's your a good basement for to build something on during your career. Yes, I think I understand what you mean. Let's shift gears here and go to the other end of the spectrum. I'd love for you to share one of those career aha moments, a time when the headlights come on and illuminate your way for a new direction, a new idea that you had, and tell us the steps that you took to turn your aha moment into your success. Mm-hmm. Maybe when that was just the time when I I worked in Renault in uh, from 2000 to 2007, and during that time I started uh, with my my paintings and my artwork. And at the um, at the office in Barcelona, we had a little uh, a display area where we had objects or little cars or whatever we could put there whatever we wanted. And I put some of my little paintings at the time, which were based on photos from the movie, the million dollar hotel with Mila Jovovich uh, and like sequences from that movie mm-hmm. with architecture and, and she jumping around. I really like that. Oh, I still love this series. And then we had uh, Patrick Lequemont came once a month uh, visiting us and we were presenting to him and he, he saw these paintings and actually he bought four of them and he was my first client. So I thought, wow. Mm, well, that might work. Actually, I could sell them, and uh, I didn't expect that at all. I just put them there to have a decoration in the studio, and yeah, that was a motivating uh, moment. And I thought, wow, man, yeah, that's that's cool. And I didn't think of, of switching my career into being an artist, but you know, these little things uh, of motivation—it's it, it's good, and that keeps you going. And Yes, absolutely. I had another guest who's an artist who was working as an instructor, um, teacher, if you will, and he was painting on the side and his wife called him one day and said, somebody bought one of your paintings, somebody bought one of your paintings. And that was the switch in his head that maybe I can change careers and paint, which is what I love. And that was 30 years ago and he's still doing it today. (laughs) So 
Uh, That was a wonderful moment. How about proudest moments? I think it was pretty spectacular that a designer like that came to your work and bought some of your paintings. But is there a moment in your life, a proudest moment in your career that you'd like to share with us? One proud moment or maybe happy moment that's that's all related was when I got accepted um, in in the Pforzheim design school because that was quite difficult you first have to do like send some drawings and once you got accepted for that you have to do a test a one-day drawing test which um, yeah you have to do all kinds of um, well draw different things which are there placed in this big room and at the night you got uh, the results if you got accepted or not and I got accepted, so that was a really, really happy and proud moment. So finally, I could study what I always wanted to do because I had no alternative. If that wouldn't have worked, maybe I could have applied six months later, but I had really no alternative to to car design, industrial design, product design, graphic design. Yeah, but not really. I I only wanted to do car design. So I was... uh, Yeah, a very happy person that day. (laughs) I'll bet. Let's have a little fun here. What was your first really special car? And if you could share a memory that you have with that vehicle. Well, the really special car, maybe that was uh, the the Ferrari 308 GT4, which I bought four years ago, um, because that was finally after all that love to Ferrari, and then it kind of got lost a bit and because I worked and did my I followed my life and I never thought I could afford it or would dare to buy a Ferrari but then in 2011 I somehow some things came together uh, a good friend of mine bought also one and he gave me very good advice what to look at the car and and where to go and and whatever he gave me articles and books and everything so I could I got some more information on that and another good very old friend of mine bought um, the De Tomaso Pantera, which was actually his childhood dream car. And he bought it in the United States in quite good condition and, and fairly good price. And then he got it shipped uh, over to Germany and invited me for the first drive. That was just half a year earlier. And this was such a great moment. And we were smiling and sitting in the car and he was so happy. And I thought, wow, this passion, why not? I mean, I, I can't just go on with my life like boring and I have to do something with it and that's what when I was actually looking for a a 308 GT4 Mm -hmm. and then half a year later I found one so um, that was after I don't know 23 years when I was at Maranello and my parents bought me a a keychain which I still have finally I got the the key and a dream came true and this is still I, I love this car and it's wow, it's a Ferrari I sit in there in the steering wheel and see the yellow the, the horse and everything it's, it's fantastic so well yeah. I think you took all of us listeners along for that first ride we're all sitting here with a big smile on our face and those of us who have acquired our dream cars uh, lived that moment with you wonderful mm-hmm. is there a vehicle that you've owned that you've sold that you really wish you had back in your garage not really. I, I in all my years I bought six cars and I still have three of them. So my first was a Polo, which was just a normal car, and then I had an Opel Tigra, which was cool at the time, but I didn't really regret it. And maybe the third car was a Carman Gear from '66. Oh, a really lovely car, uh, blue, dark blue with a ivory um, roof, a coupe. 
And I had that for 13 years and I really liked it. And I sold it to buy uh, the 68 uh, Porsche 911 I had because I needed then the money to invest it in the new car and I couldn't have another car. So I had to sell that. But of course, I I still look back to that car and I, I still like it. But because I bought something better or greater, it, it was okay. So I don't really feel sorry. Uh, well, you're fortunate there. We share something. I had a 67 Carmagia for many years while I was in high school and college. And uh, I, too, enjoyed that car very much. I called it my poor man's Porsche. Oh, it is. It's so beautiful. The guy is so pretty. This is, it's not powerful or fast or nothing, but the, the shape is just gorgeous. It's such a lovely... I think it's uh, aged well, too, with time. So uh, I would like to have one of those again, but I think I might have to stuff a like a 2.2911 engine in the back. <laughs> <laughs> something a little more powerful. How about current projects? Is there something you're working on right now that really has you excited? Yeah, I have this this thing in my head since uh, more than a year now, and and I couldn't figure out how to do that. I want to to rebuild the old 911, not turn it into a race car, but make it a bit lighter and make it a bit more powerful and uh, like a project car, and adding maybe some design features and making it exactly how I want to have it, um, with a paint, with a seat, steering wheel, all the the components you could uh, change. So I. Just last week, I found uh, the, the base car finally, and I found also a, a workshop with two cool guys who who want to do the project with me together. So I'm really excited now about that because finally we can start with it, and it, it might take a year. So maybe next year we talk again, and I, I show you what came out of it. Yes, I can't wait. I know you sent me some uh, pictures last week to my email of a, of a nice uh, 1970 911T, so I'm very excited to see what you end up doing with that car. I'm a, I'm a bit jealous. I love those early 911s. Now, here's a very introspective question for you, Marcus. If you were a car, what kind of car would you be and why? I don't really know. That's a difficult question <laughs> for me. I never imagined being a car. Maybe, no. Might must be a fast car, but not a perfect car. Something pretty rough. I don't know. No, I can't give an answer to that. The reason I ask this question is I like to kind of push people to express how they perceive themselves. It's not so much about uh, what kind of car you want to be. It's about how you perceive yourself. Are you are you fast? Are you kind of slow? Are you kind of boring? You're kind of exciting. You're an artist. You're a designer. So I'm not going to let you off the hook on this one. <laughs> I, I can't say I'm slow and boring. I, <laughs> I hope not. I hope not. <laughs> but But just think for a moment here. If you were a car, Marcus, what would you be? Well, yeah, probably kind of a fast car, but not not too, I don't know, not too comfortable, a bit rough. Mm. Because I, yeah, I have my own character somehow, but I'm I'm not perfect. But I kind of I'm kind of efficient work wise. I like to do things not fast but quick and not wasting time in general. And I'm impatient, so uh, I want to see a result quick. Uh-huh. Um, that's why in the end maybe I was a bad designer and I had to leave that uh, business somehow because I, I hadn't had the patience to to work on a project for months and months and months and 
uh, I like more the the first the initial phase when you or the first moments when you work on the model to block in the volumes and and the elements and that that was always cool and then in the end it was getting boring so I'm mm, yeah I like to do things quick and efficient so I'm a quick efficient maybe a fuel efficient car I'm yeah well you know maybe <laughs> uh, maybe that old 911 kind of fits you well because the German cars especially the Porsches very efficient they're meant to do pretty much one thing not a lot of glamour glitz. You know, I kind of see kind of practical car. They they are looking like great, but the 911 is is fairly practical. You have two seats in the back. You have a, a big a trunk. You uh, actually, yeah, it's a very intelligent car. Yeah. Well, we'll call you that. How's that? <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, Marcus. Up next is the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsor. No more worries about a dead battery. I've got the NOCO Genius Boost Jump Starter. This compact tool fits in your glove box and features rechargeable lithium-ion technology that'll start a dead battery in your car, boat, truck, or RV. It packs a whopping 12-volt, 400-amp starting power and can start up to 20 dead batteries on a single charge. Plus, it has built-in spark-proof technology and reverse polarity protection to safely jumpstart your vehicle every time. It includes a built-in ultra-bright dual LED flashlight, and it easily recharges with USB outlets so you can charge your smartphone or tablet while you're on the road. Works on any 12-volt lead-acid battery. The Genius Boost from NOCO is the ultimate emergency tool. It's safe and easy to use. Quality, design, state-of-the-art technology from NOCO, your battery care source since 1914. Get yours at Genius Charger all right marcus we're back and we're entering the last lap and this is where i'm going to fire off a series of questions and you give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers so are you ready mm-hmm. yes what is the best automotive advice you've ever received well, I remember once uh, Patrick Lecamont told me, if you can't smell the, smell the kitchen, you should not be a cook. <laughs> oh, and actually, that was not why I left Renault in the end, but I was thinking many times about that. And he was right, because if you can't stand the smell and the design business is a smelly business sometimes, then you, you should uh, take a decision, which, which I did in the end. There uh, you go. And, and those of us who enjoy your art are thankful that you did. <laughs> Would you share one of your personal habits that you believe has contributed to your success? Yeah, I'm I'm not a morning person, so I I prefer sleeping a bit later in the mornings and working later at night. And I think, not that that's my success secret, but I have now the freedom to work whenever I want and whenever I feel it's the good moment. So maybe that also helps in, in, in really being good at what you do when you can choose when you can do it. And you're, I'm not forced into any uh, shadow and, and time frame. So maybe that's... Well, I think a lot of that has to do with knowing yourself, knowing when you can be most productive uh, when you're not productive and adjusting your lifestyle to fit that. So that's awesome. Do you have a resource that you think our listeners would really enjoy? Well, I have a, um, make a bit of a self-promotion. I have a website with a friend together who is also a car designer. And it's uh, mainly about photography, it's about classic cars, but also architecture, design things. So it's uh, we do this in seven years now, and we have more than 50,000 photos now uh, uploaded. Wow. And, uh, 
Uh, in summer, we have a bit more articles. In winter, it's a bit less. And and my friend, for example, is really passionate about East uh, German, East Bloc cars like Wartburg or, or or Trabant and all that. I'm, I'm more the sporty guy, and I like other cars. But uh, together, we, we do this, uh, yeah, since many years now. And we I think it's a great resource uh, and inspiration because it's also sometimes details of photos or textures or patterns or photos from Berlin or, or other cities. And I think that's, um, yeah, it's a good website. What is the name of that website? Formfreude. And could you spell that for us? Uh, F-O-R-M-F-R-E-U point D-E. Okay, great. And we'll make sure we put that on your show notes page as well. (laughs) Sounds exciting. Is there a book that you could share with the Carjow listeners you think they would enjoy reading? Yeah, I, I really like books, but not, not so much to read, more with, with photos. And there's one, it's called Cars and Girls, and it's about photographies from Werner Eisele from the from the 70s and, and 60s, 70s, 80s, uh, from the car shows or just he made for, um, for the catalogs, for example. But it's, yeah, always girls are in it, but it's... It's really great photos from that time, like really authentic. And the book is it's great. It's big and heavy and has beautiful, big uh, photographs in it. I love that book. Sounds great. Well, you can find links to all these great resources at carsyad.com slash Marcus Haub. Marcus's last name is H-A-U-B. All right, Marcus, we're up to the checkered flag. And this last question can be a real doozy. If you could only have one collector car in your garage... But don't worry about the cost, because today I'll write the check. What would that one vehicle be, and why? This is so difficult because it's every day it's changing, and or I had remembering I like this car or that car. But sometimes it always comes back to one car, and that's the F40, the Ferrari F40. I really love this car, and maybe because it's also. Uh, attached to me at the time at 87 when it came out and I remember it, seeing it and first I didn't like it and then I, I grew on it and uh, I was like yeah like I explained earlier I was so passionate about passionate about Ferrari and that was um, the result of, of, of many yeah many things Ferrari was developing at the time and this car is still so cool so so fast so unbelievable brutal and and beautiful and uh it's it's a great car and maybe it would be that car i never drove it so i can't really tell but i think if you drove it you would love it so <laughs> uh yes we'll we'll leave it at the f40 wonderful choice marcus you've taken me on a great ride today and i've really enjoyed your stories and i want to thank you for sharing your automotive journey with the Cars Yow listeners, would you give us one parting piece of guidance before you drive off into the sunset in that Ferrari F40? Well, follow your passion and, and be yourself, and then everything will go the right way, I believe. Yes, I think you're right. And what's the best way for our listeners to learn more about you and your business? You mentioned that one website. Are there other ways that our listeners can connect with you and see what you're doing? Yeah, I have um, a website where you can find lots of uh, photos of my paintings. It's marcushaup.com or you can find me on Facebook also, Marcus Haup Artist. Wonderful. Well, listeners, again, you can find links to everything that Marcus has shared with us today at carsyeah.com. Just put Marcus, M-A-R-K-U-S, in the search bar. 
His show notes page will pop up with all these links. And I encourage you to visit his website, check him out on Facebook, like him, interact with him, look at his work. You're going to fall in love with it just like I have. Marcus, thank you for being so generous today with your time and expertise and for calling in all the way from Germany today and sharing your experiences with me and the listeners. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thank you, Mark. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.